Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hi, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. It's Kylie Miller here, and today I'm joined with Dennis Burns, um, Mr. R.L. Frazier, and Dr. Rizelle as our special guest today. Everybody say hello. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's glad to be back. Um, been a lot going on this summer. Um, I guess I'll start off with introducing Dr. Rizelle. Dr. Rizelle, you're, you're a recent new hire. Um, tell us about the position you're in and uh, how you found yourself at LSU. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I'm really grateful to be here. Well, my name is uh, Russell Parvez. Uh, so I'm working as an assistant professor and soil fertility specialist for LSU Ag Center. Um, my position actually is a 15% research, 85% extension. So I usually do lots with <clears throat> producer on-farm test, uh, like podcasts like that, some try to shoot some video about tissue sampling, soil sampling, how to do these things and well attend field days and will attend like winter meetings. So you will see me um, around. Yeah. Well, uh, I am originally from Bangladesh. Um, so it's an Indian subcontinent, um, probably everybody is familiar geographically. Mm-hmm. So the geographical position of Bangladesh and Louisiana is kind of similar in a way, like we get lots of cyclone, we called it, like here is called um, hurricane. So you can <laughs> see we have a Bay of Bengal that comes from Pacific Ocean. And here is a, we have a Gulf of Mexico. So Bangladesh is a position like on the mouth of the funnel. Okay. So everything, if something happened in the Bay of Bengal, it uh-huh. comes through Bangladesh. Okay. <laughs> so like cool. Louisiana, everything, ha- like anything happening in Gulf of Mexico, it goes through Louisiana. So <laughs> I'm kind of familiar with this cyclone or whatever you call hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> interesting never, never been through this hard because in bangladesh we live uh, in north okay so it's far away so i'm uh, still living in louisiana in the north part so i didn't get that flavor i don't like to get it or expect that anyway so i my grandfather actually farming so i had a passion to be uh, a scientist, like agricultural scientist. So after graduating my high school, I went to um, agricultural university. That was the only university at that time when I went there. Uh, and it's a renowned university in the Southeast Asia. Okay. Um, so what I got my- farm? What did your grandfather farm? Well, he mostly Bangladesh is a, they grow rice. Okay. Like we have a 300% cropping intensity, so you could you could grow rice three times in a year, like every four months. Mm-hmm. So that's why you know Bangladesh is little bigger than Louisiana, but you would be surprised about population. Louisiana probably around four point something million, I guess, uh, if I am not mistaken, uh, like 4.7 million. 
what do you think in Bangladesh population? I have no word. I'm not good at numbers, so <laughs> I'll 160 let you million, 160 million population. Is wow. And we grow our own food. So about 80% of the population is directly or indirectly related to agriculture. Wow. It's not very commercialized, but they have a small piece of land and they grow basically their own food for the entire year. So we have main crop is rice, then potato, uh, corn. Um, also, we have a little bit cotton, but all kinds of pulses, uh, you know, like a legume, mm. uh, like um, lentil, like mung bean, uh, something like that. And also like lots of vegetables we okay. grow, basically. Anyway, so I want to, so my grandpa pro basically grow rice, uh, wheat, the another crop and little bit potato, something like that, and few winter vegetables. So I went to Bangladesh Agriculture University, did my BS degree um, and finished in 2006, then went for the master's for the same school and did my master's on crop physiology and ecology, um, then appointed as a lecturer uh, for the same university. Um, then worked for three, four years over there, and I had the opportunity to come back to, to come to United States to do my PhD. So I came on 2012 um, in University of Arkansas and did my PhD on soil fertility nutrient management. Finished my PhD in 2015 December. Immediately after that, I joined to Virginia Tech as a postdoc and work um, on my postdoc for another two and a half years in Virginia Tech and did like again, nutrient management, soil fertility and agronomy. Then moved to Iowa State University on 2018 and he spent little bit and over an year um, over there, get the flavor of wind, uh, like cold weather. Uh, it was too cold, <laughs> honestly. They get snow in October, from October to all the way May. Um, we had a snow on May 19th last year. Wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a little late, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it was too cold. Most of the days are like a single digit, and you would see negative in the morning. Mm -hmm. So it's too cold. But other than that, Iowa is very rich in agriculture. They grow lots of like 14 million acres corn, 10 million acres soybean, that's their main crop. So I was working on the cover crops, like how we can manage cover crops because they have a short window to establish cover crops after soybean. So we work on how we can establish cover crops uh, through different seeding method like intercropping and also trilling, like the drill seeding, sorry. Then we started uh, different rates of seeding, like seeding rates. Uh, and as well as what, what was the other component. So see, planting date, seeding rate, and planting method, basically, and termination timing. Yeah. So I just explained, we had a big project, probably $400,000 project. I started that project, uh, like a lead on that. Um, then I left, I had the opportunity to come and join LSU um, family. 
and I was glad to be here. So I started uh, LSU X Center on October last year, October 1st. So um, I haven't been for in like almost a year. Yeah, very close, but not yet. Yeah. yeah. So after that, I was very welcome with the community that I'm working around uh, with uh, like the faculties over here, regional director, um, also all the extension, extension agents. So, and I had the opportunity to submit some projects through soybean and grain board as well as um, cotton incorporated. So, and funded. Uh, so, the project I'm working on right now is um, reevaluating P and K uh, fertilization. Uh, we are looking three different depths. Uh, the current recommendation is based on zero to six in soil sampling depth. So, uh, I'm evaluating zero to six, six to 12, and 12 to 18 inches. But last year, we just took two depths of soil sample. Uh, we just bought a automated soil sampler that would allow us to go deeper sample. So I'm hoping to get deeper sample this year. Um, do you want to know what we are looking for uh, that project or anything? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the reason I uh, designed that or thinking that project and working on uh, when I was in Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia Tech, the most of the soil are like low CEC, cation exchange capacity, and um, sandy texture soil, like a coarse texture soil. So on the coarse texture soil, when you have a low CEC, uh, it, the potassium, the clay doesn't hold the potassium that much, so it's leased down with the rainfall. When you have a big rainfall, you see lots of leasing of potassium. Also, the root goes to more than six in depth, usually within the feet. So our hypothesis was if we, we take soil sample only the zero to six inches, why not we account potassium down to the soil profile because root will get it uh, and we have a leaching issues. So we take the soil sample from zero to six, six to 12 and 12 to 18, actually 12 to two feet, like 24 inch depth. Then we analyze, correlate the yield with different soil depth. And we found zero to six in sample is better than zero to sorry zero to twelve in sample is better than zero to six in. And by this way, you can reduce your fertilizer rate by thirty percent because it's correlate well. And that makes sense because you have lots of potassium down to the soil profile that you can account for, and not having producer to fertilize when they have soil. Probably their topsoil is deficient in potassium, but if you look down to the subsoil, it has a lot of potassium there. So they may not need fertilization when you see a deficiency on the topsoil. So that's similar hypothesis I'm working here with a, both for post-texture soil as well as clay soil to see uh, what's going on and how we can improve our current recommendation. And yes, I'm working on for both phosphorus and potassium as well. Okay. But, but Roselle, I'm not fat enough to push that soil probe 12 inches in the ground. Yes, that's right. That's right. It's hard to, yeah, yes. Uh, so especially for clay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, if you, 
you have little bit moisture and in clay, uh, it would be hard to find any sample down to six inch. I, mm. I completely understand that. You have a, you have to have a very good um, soil condition. But the other things that tells us also, if you have a really high organic matter in your soil, even it is clay um, and is a ideal condition, you shouldn't have any problem. <coughs> Because in Iowa, most of the soil is molly soil, right? High fertility soil and it's clay. And they are four feet deep. So the trying, um, what I'm trying to say, if you try to build up your soil health by putting organic matter, not tilling that mass or like incorporating cover crops in between crops, cropping system. So that way you can build up your soil health and that shouldn't be an issue um, down the road. But I agree with you. <laughs> that is getting soil sample more than uh, six in mm -hmm. depth in clay is real hard. Yeah. I got uh, uh, Let me ask you a question here. Yes, okay. sir. That, that I understand you correctly. You're saying that this phosphate is leaching down like 12 inches and it's still available for the plants? Not phosphorus, I said potassium. Potassium, excuse me. Okay, potassium. Yeah. potassium. yeah, if it is leased down to, let's say, more than two feet, probably no, it's not going to be available. But if it's leased down to, like, within a feet, um, yeah, plant will get it because root can go more than six inches. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, what I was really leading up to was, Dennis, you remember when we first done the variable rate nitrogen? We put out some zero rates on a field. Yeah. Cut. And mm -hmm. we couldn't tell any difference between zero and 300 units of nitrogen. Yep, I remember that. You know, yeah, that way, I reckon what we were thinking was that nitrogen had leached down. Right, the yeah. Because we're talking about a, where they had went in there and cut, oh, 18 to 24 inches. Oh, yeah. It was big, deep cuts. Deep cuts. And where those deep cuts was at, it was just as green with zero nitrogen as it was where we had 300 units of nitrogen out. Yeah. Yes. We always felt like that's what had happened. That nitrogen in that clay soil had leached that deep over years. Mm -hmm. And when we cut it, uh, you know, leveling, moving, changing the field up, we actually tapped into that reserve nitrogen down there. I know, I know there's no way possible for the roots to get as deep as we cut, but uh, it, it, that was interesting to me that that little nitrogen had leached that deep down and, and it was still available. Mm -hmm. Once we could get the roots to it, that was the, the trick. Yeah, it's, it's leached as available form, like a nitrate form, right? The nitrate is the NO3, um, so that's the form that's leased, right? It's the plant available form. So anywhere it's there, if the root gets it, it will uptake it. Like similar way the potassium, like potassium ion form is leased down. So anywhere root gets the potassium, it will uptake. <laughs> okay. So if there's any way we could turn that soil over about two foot every now and then, we could get some free fertilizer out. Uh, well, that depends on you need to check the stratification first. Uh, that way you you will disturb lots of other things just for getting nutrient. You see yeah, my yeah. point? <laughs> yeah. 
uh, you will disturb the microorganism, um, you will disturb the capillary movement of the water, so lots of other things. Uh, but if there is really a leasing issues, so we can better manage the fertilizer, let's say uh, fall versus spring application, right? If it is really leasable soil that has, you can take a deep soil sample like two feet, then cut down to six, six inch interval and see and analyze for potassium concentration and see what the stratification is. If you see the lots of nutrient you found on the bottom soil, like on the more than 12 beans, then you can tell if there is an stratification, right? So that way you don't need to fertilize lots of fertilizer at the same time or on the fall and you have a lots of rainfall through winter, that's gonna be a problem. Either it's gonna run run off or list down to the soil profile. Okay. And that exactly I have a project last year, it's funded by um grain board. But that project gonna start this year actually on this fall that I will have fall versus spring application of P and K for soybean and corn that I will evaluate. But anyway, uh, coincidentally, I established that trial last year and I looked at that. Um, I looked at two different locations. One is Macon Reese, the other one is St. Um, Joe. Um, and St. Joe soil was high, already high in P and K. So I did not see any response. But on the Macon Reese soil, it was low P and K. And I saw there is a yield, um, 10 bushels yield bump compared to no fertilization. Then there is a five bushel seal bomb when you put the fertilizer in spring. But that was not significantly different. Uh, I'm talking about for corn. So corn five bushel probably not be a big deal. But I have not uh, harvested my soybean yet, but I am hoping to get some good results out of soybean. So that's a trend kind of, even it is a, like McEnry soil. Uh, is a very low PNK and you have always a chance to get the yield response. So if you have a chance of getting yield response and you have a low CEC, I would I would go put fertilizer before the plant, like at planting or any time in the spring, not fall, because there would be a lots of chance to get least that nutrient or run up. But if it is a clay soil, it's still high in fertility, probably you need little bit. Don't worry about putting your fertilizer in fall. I got a question. My point? Okay. I got I got another question. And okay. we're talking about spring and fall. Uh, sulfur. Every soil sample we get back is low in sulfur, unless it comes out of somebody's garden. And we know we put a moment there's sulfur in our side dress for corn and cotton. What do you think about ammonia sulfate on soybeans? Okay, I'm glad you brought that thing. <laughs> I had two, actually I have four trials for sulfur last year and I harvested two um, corn. I haven't harvested soybean yet. No, I haven't harvested soybean yet. Um, so in both trial, so around my re this region on the Northeast, this is the northeast, right? Northeast Louisiana. Whatever soil sample I took, the sulfur was low, about 5 ppm. So mm -hmm. it's really low. Yeah. And in both of the trials, from one from Macon Ridge, one from Northeast, like St. Joseph, 
and I found there is a 10 bushels yield bump putting sulfur. So mm -hmm. yes, I would definitely recommend putting sulfur out for corn. I have not seen um, my like yield results for soybean yet, but I'm expecting to see a similar type of um, like yield gain, or like at least significant yield response, four to five bushels yield response. But whenever I see that, I obviously um, gonna share that um, things. Um, but yes, I recommend to putting sulfur out. And for your specific question, ammonium sulfate to soybean. Though ammonium sulfate has 24% um, sulfur, right? 21% nitrogen. Mm -hmm. the, that the nitrogen parts is makes me nervous to putting out um, at planting. Uh, the reason I'm talking about the soybean plant is very sensitive to nitrogen. Like if it the root feels like it has enough nitrogen, it, it stops nodulating regardless. So if you put early in the season uh, for even like 20 unit nitrogen, uh, plant will feel it. And if, if once it is stopped nodulating, it's going to hurt the yield because soybean, in soybean specifically, there is no supplemental effect of nitrogen. Okay, like let's say um, people always talk about the nodule can only produce 80%, like maximum of its requirement. So why not we can provide another 20% of the nitrogen requirement? But the Problem with soybean is there is no supplemental effect. Either you need to change the whole system with your uh, inorganic fertilizer or rely on the nozulation. So mm -hmm. you need to change the source. So there is no supplemental effect and it's very sensitive when you put little bit amount of nitrate. I got a call uh, from David Mosley, our soybean specialist, and he mm -hmm. got the call from one of the producer and he had he put that ammonium sulfate uh, early in the season and he, he did not see uh, nozzle so that but there is some good sulfur source you can use if you really like to put in soybean that's i used uh, gypsum is a good source calcium sulfate is a good source of sulfur it has if it is very pure probably you can get anywhere 20 percent sulfur so you need just a hundred unit um, gypsum would be good source. Some uh, company has some product with sulfur. You can make it uh, liquid. They have a powdery form, but you can make it liquid easily, soluble, very soluble, and you spray with your nitrogen. Um, but that I did not evaluate uh, how we can apply, but I had a trial that evaluate ammonium sulfate, uh, not sorry, ammonium sulfate, gypsum also. Uh, there is another fertilizer is available is a tiger 90 they call it is a 90% sulfur but that sulfur derived from um, elemental sulfur so it's not very soluble I saw that when you put out in the soil I saw even after a month I see still this is granular form so it's not very soluble mm -hmm. um, so I would say uh, gypsum would be a good source for, for, for soybean. Okay. Well, guys. Yeah, definitely I would recommend sulfur and on Northeast season, wherever I take soil sample is, if your sulfur comes below 10 ppm, 
you better put sulfur. Okay. <clears throat> well, um, guys, we've kind of been on here for a while. Is there anything else? I know, Dennis, I was going to ask you about your tweet the other day. Hey, how'd y'all like <clears throat> the 60-inch cotton tweet? I think yeah. we were... I checked it a while ago, and because this is just amazing me, we've had 17,621 views, and that's just, I assume that's people looking at it, and 3,700, over 3,700 people retweeting it and stuff, I guess, or liking it or something. I don't really know, but it's it's just kind of blew me away. I just took a picture of them. They were, uh, they had the Vanavans that got started picking theirs, and um, I just stopped and took a picture of them, and tweet it out and it's like everybody's interested in it so you know that's really it, great like i said it was amazing to me yesterday my phone i mean my ipad was just kind of like a five five alarm fire going off it just it wouldn't stop singing over there i had to cut it off mm -hmm. that's what that's what ann said she said told me said you need to put that thing somewhere else yeah. <laughs> i don't have notifications looking for different what different stuff you know, like last year when I throw the one up on the peanuts that Kylie and I done. Yeah. You finally topped us with the 16-inch cotton, but we held the we held the top line there for a year. You y'all still got the top video. So yeah, we still got the top video. <laughs> but we uh I don't know. It's been it's just uh it looks good. We'll see what uh we'll see how it's gonna turn out, but it right now it looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, it seems to be catching on nationwide, or or say nationwide through the Cotton Belt. It may uh, a lot of interest in it. There's a lot of interest. I don't see it. People just swapping ninety to nothing. If somebody wanted to go to thirty inch uh, corn, thirty inch soybeans, it's a way to you can work it in like that. But uh, I don't. I mean, we'll and we'll have. Uh, We'll have it on here on the Northeast Station again next year. Uh, Josh, we've got one trial. We defoliated today. Um, Josh Copes has a PGR trial with it, and I think he's got a plant population trial with it. They were planted late. I don't know if we'll even pick those. Maybe hand hand harvest three feet or something. But uh, it's um, it's interesting. Let's put it like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like with that, you know, we're, we're turning and going the opposite direction. For years and years and years, we were trying to get uh, narrower row spacings and increased seed population. And now mm -hmm. we're reversing that. Yeah. I mean, and, it's... And yeah. holding our yield, so... Yeah. I mean, it's it looks, it's promising. It's not for everybody, but it's promising. It'll give you an opportunity yeah. to... If you're interested in, 30, if you're going to grow cotton and you want to grow 30-inch corn and 30-inch soybeans, which, you know, seems like we're going to get, you can get a yield bump on corn and beans will, may or may not get a pretty good yield bump. So it just gives you another option, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, what else you got, Kylie? We've got. Yeah, well, that's all I have. There's no events coming up and nothing really to close with other than thanks ever thank you everybody for listening and thank you dr rizel for joining us today on the podcast and uh we welcome you back anytime and uh i know you're going to be doing a lot of the recertifications uh coming up i guess 
in in January and so mm -hmm. forth, and um, we'll be happy to introduce you to everybody, and we're glad to have you. So, um, if anybody you. else got anything else to say, I'll, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and join us next time. All right. All right. See y'all later. See y'all later. Thanks, brother. Thank you. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.